So we've been on this sermon series, Back to the Basics, and we've, over the last, this is I think the fourth week, we've been really just kind of focusing on this one verse from Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Uh, these basics of what the church did and these basics of a growing church. That the church in Acts chapter 2 was flourishing. And they and it seems to be the result of just doing four basic things. Uh, from Acts 2.42, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. And so today we're going to be looking at that final one, the prayers. What that means and what that's what they're talking about. Um, I think again it's interesting, I'd just like to point out that uh, this scripture tells us uh, that there's one teaching, you know, the, the the apostles' teaching, what we call the scriptures today, the record of the apostles' teaching, the Bible. And so we have one source of teaching, the Bible. That there's one fellowship, and this is in the in the this is how it is. This is the fellowship. It's a singular thing in this passage. Uh, this is our congregation. Is the fellowship of believers. There's one of these things that we're supposed to be devoted to. You have chosen to. You have devoted yourself to this part of Christ's body, and this is where we fellowship and and share with each other and help each other. There's one breaking of the bread. The Bible actually talks about because there's one bread, those who are many have come together and are one. Uh, and that's the idea of a communion. There's one time, there's one kind of idea that we're here. But in this passage, there's multiple prayers. This is the only word in this passage that's plural, the prayers. And so that, that version of the Bible, that translation gets it right. The, te- the, the apostles' teachings, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and the prayers. Now what it may mean and what that may be referring to is that, as you know, many of the first century Christians were coming out of Judaism and they would, uh, and the Jews had the habit of they would stop and pray in the morning, they would pray at noon, and then they would pray in the evening. And three separate times a day that they would have prayers. And so they were probably, as these Christians now were following Christ coming out of Judaism, they probably continued to do some of the practices that they had been taught in all their lives in Judaism. And so they'd get up in the morning and pray, and then they would stop at noon and pray, and then the, again in the evening they would pray. So they'd have these three types of prayers or these three times of prayers throughout the day. And, and so they were still devoted to this idea of praying to God, but now they did it in, in and through Jesus Christ. And so as we consider what it means to be devoted to the prayers, um, today we're going to kind of look at that a little bit. And actually, um, I think we, we were talking about we're more than conquerors and talking about God's resurrection power. And we're talking about really the, the way we access that. How do we get this power? How do we tap into the power of God? And it's really through prayers. Prayer is this vehicle that God somehow works with us and does what he, what he wants to do. As, as we look in history, prayer, there has never been a movement of God in this country or in the world that wasn't first born and bathed in prayer. One of the last ones that took place in this country was over a hundred years ago, and it started in New York City, where a group of men started meeting. They they gave up their lunch hour, and, and they would get together and pray. It started with six men. Within a couple of months, there was a, there was a couple hundred of them meeting in this little uh, uh, Dutch Orthodox church there in uh, New York. Later on, within a couple of years, there were over a million people converted in the United States from this prayer movement. 
Uh, it was the last great awakening in our country. There were, or there were a couple of million in America. There was a million more in the UK as it spread across the ocean and, and took place up in the United Kingdom. That this this prayer movement where people were just getting together during the noontime and praying, praying earnestly, uh, brought a great awakening. The great awakening, the second great awakening, were all uh, formulated from a, a prayer. And uh, Edwards talks about that. It's interesting in, in his day, Edwards is, is writing to pastors saying that pastors needed to devote themselves to getting together and praying. I found that interesting seeing how, as you know, there's been a group of pastors in our community who have been getting together and starting to pray. Is it time for God to move again? And if it is, it's not going to happen unless we start praying. And that's just the fact. If we want to grow, if we want to see God's kingdom advance, if we want to see the gospel move, if we want to see God do something in our country, in our community, in our state, in our families, in our lives, if we don't start to do something extraordinary in the line of prayer, we will still be sitting here wanting something and not getting it. God, for some reason that I don't completely understand, moves when his people pray. That's just the truth. And I think it's high time we look at the news, we look at the world, we look at all that's going on and we want it to change. And we have the vehicle sitting before us to cause that change. But we are going to have to be what Acts 2 said, devoted to the prayers. So I want to talk about that a little bit today. Uh I want to talk about the multiple types of prayer that when we pray, there, there's this talking about the prayers. And I, I think for us, it's more than just praying at noon, praying at breakfast, praying at noon, praying at the, at the evening three times a day that, that we need to realize that there can be more than one type of prayer. This is from first Timothy chapter two, verse one it says, first of all, then I urge you, and remember that word, remember we've been talking about exhortation, that urging of people, that this is really important. This isn't an encouragement. This is an urging. This is an exhortation from Paul to Timothy. I urge you that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people. In this passage, we have four different types of prayer that are mentioned uh, that we could be praying as if we're going to devote ourselves to well, what kind of prayer are we going to pray? Are we going to pray for supplications? Supplications is the simply asking for things. This is the one we're really good at. If you, if you, if you notice, if you've been to a prayer meeting or if you're downstairs when we pray or if you're around a group of prayers, we call it, what's your prayer request? Right. And we have lots of requests. We have lots of things we want God to do. And we're really good at asking God for things, especially temporal things, especially things of this earth. You know, we want people to be healthy. We want people to be safe. We want people to be provided for. And I think God wants to do those things. I don't think there's anything wrong with praying for those things. But if that's the bulk and all that we pray for, then aren't we missing it? Because the Bible says, where you lay up your treasures, there your heart is also. Are we asking God for eternal things? Are we asking God, Lord, will you reveal to me my sin? 
Will you show this to me? Will you help me be more devoted to prayer? Will you stir up a hunger in me for the scriptures? Will you give me someone who will hold me accountable or someone I will hold accountable? Will you give me a partner that will help me grow? Are we praying for things? Are we asking God to give us other things than just the material stuff? Just the stuff of this world. God, I need this. I need this to help me grow spiritually. That we can ask God for those things too. And maybe those are the more important things we should ask for. Then there's prayers in the general sense. Communication with God. Just general communication with God. That's a prayer. Now imagine this. What if every time we called on God, he was listening? What I mean by that is, is every time we said the word God, what did he do? Okay, what? What? You got my attention. I've been watching these silly little hunting videos on YouTube recently. I've discovered a group of hunters I like watching. And, and it leads you to other little videos. And so I was watching this guy bass fishing the other day. All right. And he, he hangs into a really big bass. And if he said the word God once... He said it like 500 times in the in the span of like a three-minute video. Oh, God, help me land this. Oh, God. And I wonder if God's sitting there going, okay, I'm getting there. Just hang on. What if God was really taking that? And what I watched, I, I, I actually got to where I was kind of like, okay, you're kind of overkilled the God thing landing this fish. And, I, and I, I had to watch it to the end to see if he landed it, and he did. And then I just wanted to see if he wanted to say, thank you. And guess what? He didn't. You know? Did he realize so easily that he was praying? He's communicating with God. He's calling him out by name. Right? And when he lands it, he doesn't say, thank you. He's like, now I'm going to win. You know, what if God, every time we used his name, every time we thought his name, he was listening. How many things, and if he said yes to everything we talked about with his name, if we took that communication as a reverent and holy thing, and that when we did that, we really thought about what we're doing, that we wouldn't take it flippantly and easily, that we're in a conversation with God. And now talking about general prayers too, we just prayed together, right? Or we tried to, we kind of slaughtered that thing, right? And, and, I, and I'm imagining God right now. He's up in heaven. He's like, man, you guys stink. That was horrible. I just don't do that again. How many of you think that's what God's thinking right now? No. As broken, as messed up, as took us three stanzas to even get in rhythm with each other. I think God was saying, They're trying. And the reason I want to point that out is because when it comes to prayers, most of us don't pray because we don't think we can do it right. We, I can't say stuff. I can't do that. You know, I I don't know how. God doesn't care in our performance. He cares in our heart and that we're trying our best. And fumble, stumble, get it all twisted up. And I don't think God's going to be up there like, that just stinks. Don't do that again. He's going to be saying, well done, you little kid. Thank you for trying. You're trying to be obedient. I hear you. 
I get your heart, even though it's not coming out your mouth quite right. I understand. And so when it comes to prayer, we should have no excuse for doing it. If you can dial a phone and make a phone call, you can pray. Because that's basically what it is. A phone call to God. Communication. And some of you are old enough, you know how to dial more than one phone. You could take a rotary phone and still use it. So I know you can pray. Then there's intercessions, which is generally just talking to God on behalf of somebody else. Again, asking. For, again, we do a lot of this. We, we intercede for a lot of people. But how often are we praying for people for the things that they really need? Their salvation, their understanding of the scripture, their conviction of sin, their dedication to the church, their devotion to God, their devotion. That we, we don't just need to pray that God will meet their earthly needs, that God will also meet their spiritual needs. And we should be interceding on their behalf, coming to the throne. This person has spurned you, God. This person is running from you. This person doesn't know you. This person doesn't want to have anything to do with you. And I'm going to stand in the gap and intercede on behalf of that person for their spiritual well-being. That's a beautiful intercession. And then thanksgiving. Gratefulness to God for all that he's done and doing, even when it hurts. It's interesting, the rest of that session, it tells us to pray for all these people. Uh, from second, from first Timothy, it goes on to pray for kings and those who are in high position. Pray for that they may lead peaceful and quiet lives and dignified in every way. That this is good and pleasing in the sight of the Lord. He ends, Paul ends in verse 8 of first Timothy chapter 2. He says, I desire that in every place men should pray, lifting up holy hands without anger or quarreling. That we are called to pray. And if we want to see God work, it will be through prayer. Not only are there, there are multiple types of prayer for us to pray, there's multiple times for us to pray. In First Thessalonians, it makes it really simple. It says, rejoice at all times, pray without ceasing, give thanks in every circumstance, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. That this prayer is supposed to be a continual thing of our lives. That any time is a good time to pray. Any Anywhere is a good time to pray. That, that it's not just, shouldn't be just a one and done kind of thing. That prayer should be a consistent part of our lives. Even when we were reading this passage in Jesus today, Jesus going off and praying it. Hey, there's another passage that talks about it was his habit. It was consistently part of his lives. He prayed different prayers and he prayed often at different times. So anytime's a good time to pray. But we talked about this word. We've been talking about this word that, that described the church's uh, reaction to these things. It says they were devoted to the, the to prayers. This is one of those things that they were devoted. Now, when you think of the word devoted, is devoted a short-term word or a long-term word? It's a long-term word, isn't it? I mean, doesn't the idea of devotion, something you do for a while. And, uh, and when it comes to praying, I think we often start... And we don't devote ourselves to it for the long haul. because I, And I think that's where the power of God starts to get released. When we are really devoted to it, we're going to stick with it over and over and over and over. Also, does devotion, does that sound like an easy word or a sacrificial word? Is devotion, if you're devoted to someone, well, that's easy. Or does it probably imply that you're having to sacrifice something? 
The reason I want to point out, if we're going to be devoted to prayer, it's something we're going to have to do for the long haul, and it's something we're probably going to have to sacrifice to do. And that's just the truth. And it's interesting, this is what I would say about prayer. Prayer is where, for the church, the rubber starts to meet the road. And in my experience through church, if that's where the rubber meets the road, much of church is skidding out of control because we don't have a good grip on the road. Because prayer is one of those things we talk about, but we're seldom devoted to. Don't believe me? How many people you think come on Wednesday night prayer group for at Randy's having on Wednesday night? If we, it's been my experience over and over and over. Every time we have prayer meeting, it's one of the smallest and least attended things the church does. We don't really devote ourselves to it because it's at a bad time. It's not convenient. If we could do it on Sunday morning when we're already here, that'd be okay. You know, coming together on uh, every other Tuesday or one Tuesday out of the month to pray for missions. It's a small group. But that we really devote ourselves to start praying. We have all kind of reasons for not doing that and avoiding that. But we got to realize if we want God's power, it will be something we have to do long term. We'll have to be devoted to it and we'll have to sacrifice to it if we really want to do something unusual in prayer. Or we can go through life as we've always done it. So there's multiple times to pray, there's multiple types to pray, and there's multiple things to pray for. And I'm going to give you two. First, pray for revival of the church. Now, we often talk about praying for revival, and what we mean is not revival. We want to see God move in our country, move in our midst, move in our community. And it's the second thing we're talking about, which is salvation of the lost. Revival is not salvation. Salvation is salvation. Revival is revival. And they're different things. And let me point out the difference. Revival means to bring back to life. Means you had to have life for you to come back to life. Revival is for the church. It's for those of us who have committed our lives to Christ and somehow our love has grown cold, as it would talk about in, in, verse, uh, in Revelations into the letter of the churches, that, that revival is for us. And we need to pray that we're more committed, we're more devoted, we're more ready to sacrifice, we're more ready to do the things of God, we're more ready to see the Scripture and say, the Scripture says do this, so I'm going to do it. Revival is for the reviving of the church. And that we would have a new light, a new fire, a new passion, a new zeal to see God's work done. And we need to pray for that first. Because if we get that right, then the second thing we can start to pray for, and that's the salvation of the lost. And those are two separate things that don't mean the same thing. And so we pray for both. Revive us. Start the work in this community in me. Make my passion for you greater than it's ever been. Make my commitment greater. Make it from commitment to devotion. Make me love you more, know you better, seek you harder, and go and serve you better. And then, save the lost too. And that's what we should be praying for, these two things. The revival of the church, and say, start with me. Start with us. And then, move on to the lost. I have a request. I'm going to ask you to devote 180. I want you to think about this. 
I'd like a verbal commitment or a written commitment to this if you'll do it. There's commitment cards in the back of your pew. If you will agree to do this, you sign that you'll do it. What am I asking you to do? I'm asking you to devote 180 seconds a day. That's three minutes to prayer. First thing in the morning or last thing at night. At sunset, sunrise, sunset. That you take three minutes and you pray for revival of the church and salvation of the lost. And I want it to be one of those things we hold accountable to each other. That you will share. You will let me know that you are agreeing to do this so that I can pray for you and you can pray for me. And that there's a commitment to this. Why 180? Glad you ask. Because what we're praying for is an 180 degree change. Repentance. That's what repentance is. Is a 180 degree change of mind, change of life, and change of living. And that we're going to dedicate, we're going to try to say, hey, Lord, I'm going to give you three minutes a day, sunrise or sunset, to pray for repentance in our church, in our community, for the revival of the church, and the salvation of the lost. Because if we're going to see something change, we've got to start doing what the Bible says. We've got to devote ourselves to the Scriptures. So... You know what that looks like. We're getting ready to take three minutes. How long is three minutes? This is going to be our first 180. We're going to take three minutes and pray. She's going to play some nice soft music just so we don't have to listen to people hear that murmur. But what can you do? I would encourage you to find someone you sit close to and pray with them. Or, if you want to pray alone, that's fine. If you want to come down to the altar and pray, that's fine. But I encourage you to maybe get with a partner because the Bible says where two or more agree, it will be done. And so find someone who will agree with you and that you can pray for the lost and pray for the revival of the church. And so that you'll know what you're committing to. We're going to see what three minutes looks like. Ready? Let us pray.
It's interesting lately that uh, people have been giving me a lot of compliments on preaching. That's no big deal. Because I realize, and you should realize, I have nothing to do with that. But it's interesting to me that I've noticed an uptick in people's response and this kind of well-wishing of good sermons coincides with the same time that I started praying with the other pastors in our community. And that they've seen things going on in their churches. The filling of positions that they needed. The passing of budgets that they needed. That they've seen new hirings for staff members that they've needed. That they've uh, done the uh, Zion last week had a spreading of the gospel. And they felt like that was a success. And so it's interesting how when we start to pray, we start to sense things. Many of you have commented about how you sense the spirit among us. Greater and in new kind of ways. It's interesting that that happens when we start praying. So I truly believe if we would devote ourselves to a new level of prayer, we will see greater things than we've ever imagined. Actually, the Bible promises that. So may we be busy doing what God has told us to do. For the next four weeks, next three weeks now, we'll be studying prayer and moving to pray more in our churches because this is unleashing the power of God.